the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Remember Lot's wife. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, I cannot speak this message without the power of your Holy Spirit. For, Lord, only your Holy Spirit searches the heart of each person. Only your Holy Spirit intercedes for us and cuts down between the bone and the marrow. Lord, I ask that today you do a sovereign work in this place. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to begin in the book of John, the eighth chapter. I'd like you to follow with me. I'm going to use several scriptures today. And I ask you to let the Holy Spirit search your heart. John, the 8th chapter, verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, when you come into the family of God, you are brought into freedom. But if you continue to be rebellious against Almighty God and you continue to sin against Him, you will not be a permanent member of the family. Now, I recognize that cuts across almost all of the sweet and easy grace we hear preached in America today. And I challenge any of you to go to a county courthouse and sit in those courtrooms and watch as person after person comes before the bar of justice and is sent into the slammer. And you say, why? How is this possible that person after person, young and old alike brought before the judgment bar in American courts and sentenced. We have more people in jail in America than I think in almost any other country in the world. The court systems are overflowing 
How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. Because men and women have stood before the people of God and said, you don't need to worry. You're in. You're saved. You're safe. You don't have to live a holy life. You can walk in the world and you can claim to follow Jesus and everything's covered. And so they walk without fear into their sin. There's no fear of God. And so we come today into the presence of God. We come casually strolling in. No fear of God. No concern. And Jesus is saying, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, Jesus is willing to set us free of all sin. Every addiction, every bondage, every past history that would be passed down to us can be broken by the power of Jesus. If we're going to be concerned about this, we have to be very much aware that if that work is not done, we will be considered as slaves in the family and sold. And the buyer will be Satan. Now listen. Verse 37. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. So he's saying the reason even though you are Abraham's descendants and you are a part of the family of God, the reason you are unwilling to hear what I'm speaking to you is because you have no room in your heart. In other words, your heart is full of everything else. And so before I begin this message today, I have to ask you the question, what is your heart full of as you come into the presence of God today? Do you have enough room in your heart to receive the Word of God? Or is it full of the television? Is it full of the radio? Is it full of the music? Is it full of your schedule? Is it full of your business deals? Is your heart so full that there is no room in it to receive the Word of God? And part of what causes me such agony is coming week after week, month after month, year after year, preaching before God's people, preaching it straight, unvarnished. And there's no change. No total sanctification. No being simply sold out. Because as soon as the service is over, I know what we want to do. We want to talk about our, our dinner plans, and we want to chit-chat, and we want to get into all the casual stuff, and the cell phone starts to ring, and we're out of here, and we're in a roll, and the rat race goes on. No nights of prayer, no searching after Jesus, no hungering after the Word. I ask some of you, how have you been in the Word this week? Well, Pastor, I just haven't had time. Haven't had time. No room in your heart for the Word of God. You're too busy with the things of the world to read the Word of God? Now let's look at the Word God has given me to share with you today. Remember Lot's wife. We find the story in the 19th chapter of the book of Genesis. It's an evening like every other evening. 
There's nothing to designate it as being any different. The weather is as it always is. The activities of Sodom and Gomorrah as are, they always are. Two angels show up at the front gates of Sodom and Gomorrah, but they're not recognized as angels. They're dressed as men in the cultural garb of the day. They look like normal people. They arrive at the city gate, and they are met at the city gate by Lot, the man of God. Now, please understand, in ancient times, the city gate is where the respected elders of the community gather. For Lot to be permitted to sit in the city gate meant that he had to have the respect of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, he had to be tolerant toward their wicked and evil behavior. Now, there's a second thing we need to know. The city gate was the place where new contracts were formed. The city gate was the place where visitors would enter in and those who were in prominent position in the city gate would be able to offer them their business opportunities for trade and sales. And so it was for Lot's financial advantage to sit at the city gate and there to greet these two visitors because perhaps they were business contacts. He had beef for sale. He had camels available. He had donkeys. I mean, here you've got the used car salesman. You've got housing available in the city. So you have Mr. Real Estate Man. You have Mr. Lot. And Lot, as we look Thursday night in the scripture, is always the person who is looking for the business advantage. Everything is seen through the eyes of, how can this prosper me? How can I turn a profit? How can I be involved in such a way that I can turn this to my advantage? You recognize that this is American entrepreneurialism. I was trained as a pastor to take the finest church I could negotiate for, to, to negotiate with that church for the finest package on salary and benefits, and then to play my chips very carefully with the congregation so that they would love me and do things that would increase the congregation and praise God he has not done that with this church. He's blessed us down. You always know God is in a church when it starts getting blessed down. We're not about bricks and bodies and bucks. We're about righteousness and holiness and going to heaven together. So here's Mr. Lot, always thinking about how he can gain the advantage, how he can turn this to his best end, how he can come out looking good. And two angels show up and he invites them to come to his home, and they finally consent. And then we have all of the men of the area gathering together around his home and demanding that he bring these two men out, that as the scripture says, he might, they might know them. 
And Lot enters into this discussion with him, even offering to sacrifice his two daughters who are pledged to be married. I read every Bible commentary I could find on this issue. And every Bible commentary across the board said this must have been an aberration in his mind. They don't understand how he could possibly have have offered this horrible offer. Well, I know how. It was about Mr. Lot and what was best for him, not what was best for a godly family. You see, you don't go camp out at Sodom and Gomorrah in order to raise a godly family. You go to Sodom and Gomorrah because you think that's the place you can gain the advantage. Where was Abraham? Abraham wasn't parked here in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was under the oaks of of Mamre. He He was over here building alders before God and saying, God, what do you want to do here? God, what are you going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, God, will you please, if, if we find ten righteous in this city, will you save it? He was on his face, and while he was on his face, he was getting rich. He didn't care about getting rich. God could trust him with money because he knew he would use the money to build up a godly family. Lot, he wanted to get rich. And he tried to use God's blessing to get that wealth. But his heart was exposed. He had no heart for a godly family. All he had a heart for was the business deal. Here's Lot with his home surrounded. And he finds out how good his friends are. They say, who made you judge among us? It's obvious he's never been judged before. And this is strange behavior. And now they're reacting to him and saying, well, if you're going to judge us this way, you're not going to be sitting at our city gate. Whoa, that's a change. Some of you have been playing for advantage in your workplace. And you're afraid to talk about Jesus. And you're afraid to lift up a banner of righteousness in that place because you might not sit at the city gate. So the scriptures say these two angels struck them with blindness. But the Hebrew word is not for ocular blindness. In other words, the angels didn't strike them in their eyes with physical blindness. The word in the Hebrew means struck them senseless. In other words, suddenly their minds were gone. He only brought to bear upon them what was already a fact. They were already morally insane. And now he simply finished the work. And so now they're wandering around like madmen trying to find the door and they don't even know who they are. Are you morally insane? Moral insanity simply means you have sacrificed what is right and what is holy for opportunity. That you have nothing that is absolute. What is absolute is me, my deal. That's moral insanity. I want you to look at Genesis, the 19th chapter, verse 12. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, 
sons or daughters or anyone else in the city who belongs to you. The angels already knew this. They wanted Lot to say. They wanted to expose his heart fully. Now, I want you to understand this. God loves you. He loves you so much that he's exposing everything in your heart. If I were running outside and fell down and wounded my knee, got all kinds of dirt and grit in it, and I went to the emergency room, what would they do with that knee? Would they say, oh, Ray, that, that knee looks terrible. Let's, let's just put a bandage around it. No, they wouldn't do that. They'd say, let's scrub the dirt out of it. I'd say, no, that would hurt. Just put a bandage around it. Put some salve on it. They'd say, no. Infection will spring up in that knee if you don't have that dirt washed out of it. And they'd take a brush and they'd scrub that wound. Some of you want to come here and hear some nice, sweet word that says, oh, you're loved, everything's okay. No, God wants to scrub out that wound. He wants to get all the way to the bottom of that deal. He doesn't want the infection of sin growing up in your life and ruining your life. That would mean amputation. That would mean being cut off from God. Now watch. Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. And if we were to look in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel tells us that the number one sin, the number one sin was a luxurious, gluttonous lifestyle. The first and foremost sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not sexual perversion. It was a gluttonous, selfish lifestyle. It was not caring about others. It was arrogance and hardness of heart. It was bitterness of spirit. That's what Ezekiel tells us. The very last sin listed by God in Ezekiel is the sin of perversion. I want to tell you that all of those other sins lead to God giving people over to perversion. And God is right now in the process of giving his church in Washington, D.C. over to perversion. So that there are churches now you can go into. You hear the world's music, the same music that I used to hear when I went down to the dance halls in Adams Morgan. It's the same sound, it's the same decibel sound, it's the same music, except now they've got these sweet sentimental words tied on, as though that somehow baptizes it. And the preacher's going to stand in the pulpit and he's going to pour out this mushy, sentimental yuck about how God loves you and you can walk and you're saved. He's not going to... He's not going to rebuke you. He's not going to challenge you. He's going to teach you some strategic steps for more successful living, how you can get more money, how you can be a better citizen of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
That is the judgment of God. That is already the great delusion of revelation being poured out upon God's church. What you saw happen up in Toronto, Canada, as a great move of the Spirit took place in Toronto, and people were falling down on the floor, and, and all kinds of signs and wonders were taking place. That wasn't the Spirit of God. That was the spirit of demons. That was the delusion God is pouring out on God's people because all they want is love and permissiveness and sin and not righteousness. I went to that place. I experienced what was happening there. And the Spirit of God came through another pastor and said to me, there is no blessing of God for you in this place, Pastor. Get out. Because all people wanted to do was line up and lay on the floor and bask in the presence of God and laugh and bark like dogs. We watched all kinds of manifestations, and it was abundantly clear it was not the Spirit of God that was present. There was no crying or weeping there was no reconciling between brothers and sisters. There was no breaking of bondages. None of the signs of God's Spirit were present. I'm telling you this because you can expect to see more of this pouring out across North America. And we'll say, oh, that must be a great testimony of God. I won't believe it's a revival until the jails are empty. And the courtrooms are silent because there's no longer any wickedness going on. The police chief will be able to tell me if there's a revival going on. Come on, Pastor. Come on. If the police chief doesn't report that all kinds of stolen things are being restored. Oh, Jesus. If the chief of police doesn't report that they don't have room to contain all that's being returned. There's no revival. Revival comes. Weeping comes. Weeping for our sins. Reconciling with our brothers and our sisters. Humbling ourselves before one another. Preferring one another ahead of ourselves. Not the foolish delusion we see in the body of Christ today. Verse 14, so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. That word joking in the Hebrew, the King James Version says mocking. But the word literally means to make sport of. To make sport of. So here is Lot with his prospective sons-in-law, and he's telling them this message from God. And they think he's joking. It's obvious he's never given them a message from God before. It's obvious Lot has never heard from God before. There is not one place in the scriptures that tell us 
that Lot heard from God, except when the two angels came into his house and said, we're going to destroy this place. Why? There is also no record of Lot ever building an altar to God. It was always he worshipped at Abraham's altar. And so have you come to this place to worship at the altar that Jan and I have built? And that some of you all have built? Or have you built your own altars? Are you getting a second-hand word from God? Or is God speaking into your life? And are you providing an opportunity for your family, for your children, for your husband, for your wife, to hear that direct word of God, so that when the final word comes and you say, flee, they won't think you're joking, making sport of you? Are you totally sold out to Jesus Christ? Are you a halfway lot follower? Have you crossed the line and made the decision that you will allow Jesus Christ to have total authority? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.